Welcome to the Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for and by female entrepreneurs in college. I'm Allie. And I'm Waylon. And we are so excited to welcome Kalina Silverman, CEO and founder of Big Talk, onto the podcast. Big Talk is a global movement aimed at skipping the small talk to ask deeper questions and make more meaningful conversations. So we always start off by asking our guests, what are you most excited about when you wake up in the morning? Hmm, that's a good question. Usually I wake up and immediately my mind is running, um, even just from bed. Um, and I'm usually either excited about um, what kind of big talk antics I'll get up to that day, or whether I'm going surfing with friends, I get excited about the waves, or if I'm going to hike. Um, so yeah, I'm usually excited about like whatever natural activity I'll be doing or something related to Big Talk, I would say. So I guess for those who kind of don't know about the story of Big Talk and who you are, can you give us a long story short, your entrepreneurial journey, how you got to where you are? Sure. So when I was a sophomore in college, I started a personal experiment called Big Talk, where I would approach strangers and skip the small talk to make more meaningful connections with them. And this was inspired by a struggle I had when I first moved to Chicago from California, where I got to school, was meeting a lot of people all the time, but felt a very strange sense of loneliness. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And it wasn't until later that I realized it was because a lot of the initial relationships we make are very superficial and founded upon small talk. Like, you know, what's your major? Where are you from? And towards the end of the year, I was starting to have deeper conversations with friends and we opened up about all of our struggles. And I said, wow, I wish we could have, you know, just like skip the small talk right away and have these kinds of conversations. And I was studying broadcast journalism at the time and learning how to make documentary films. So the following summer, I was in Ecuador uh, and Germany filming uh, interviews where I would just walk up to strangers and you know, cut right to really important facts about their lives, um, whether it was how they grew up and the changing climate of education reform in Ecuador, or memories about the Holocaust in Germany. And I saw the power of you know, just like talking to people um, about what truly matters in life. So when I came home in Los Angeles, uh, I decided to try out the, the social experiment of Big Talk where I walked up to strangers and asked them the question, what do you want to do before you die? And I filmed their responses and it didn't really matter if I was talking to a homeless man or a businessman or a teenage boy or an elderly woman, they all expressed very similar sentiments about humanity. And I posted this video to YouTube and it went viral. And I started receiving responses from people all over the world who said, hey, I feel the same way as you. I wanna join your movement and make big talk. And then I was invited to give a TEDx talk, which today has over 6 million views on YouTube. And because of the widespread viewership of Big Talk, um, it has sort of turned into an organic global movement, if you will, um, where people have shared their stories of ways they've used Big Talk in their lives, whether it's um, a son connecting with an, an estranged father or US Army veterans opening up about their vulnerabilities while being in the army, or female entrepreneurs like us talking about their experiences, um, or parents trying to connect with their children. It, it doesn't really matter who you are, what you do, what you look like, where you're from. There are ways to make Big Talk. And so Big Talk has pretty much grown organically over the past few years. Um, and then in 2017, I was awarded a US Fulbright Research Grant to research ways to use Big Talk to build empathy across cultures. So I lived in Singapore for a year doing that. 
And then when I came back, I turned Big Talk into a company um, and now uh, run Big Talk as my full-time job. And I'll stop right there and let you ask wow, that's a lot of questions. Amazing. Thank so you. you mentioned that you you grew Big Talk organically. Would you give any advice to other girls who have ideas that they want to grow and just don't really know where to start? Mm-hmm. I think I say organically because I really paid attention to human needs and then responded to them. So mm-hmm. if someone reached out to me and said, hey, I'm in college and feel lonely, then I would you know, really focus on doing big talk presentations at colleges or providing tools and resources for college students. If someone reached out to me from the army, then I would share big talk ideas with them. So I I would just take note of what kinds of problems people are encountering in their lives, whether it was loneliness, whether it was mental health struggles or feeling like you didn't really belong in the workplace. And I would focus on needs as they arise and build big talk programs to meet those. Um, And so I would say as advice for other young women starting businesses is like pay attention to your own needs first because you know that's where the magic starts and where the passion starts and for me it was my own need of feeling disconnected and lonely as a college student and then be able to branch that out and connect those to other people's needs and that's how you can really grow and scale any sort of idea or passion or business. So I'm curious to hear where you find this outlet or big talk that has helped heal you or help grow you as a personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Big Talk has basically become my passport to the world and to <laughs> human interactions. Um, it's pretty awesome because now I can meet someone cool like at a party or anything and just be like, hey, by the way, I do this thing called Big Talk. Would you be open to doing a Big Talk interview later? And it's, you know, easy access to being able to talk to people again or hanging out with them. Um, and then in my own relationships, I feel like I live by the Big Talk ethos and I have a lot of you know, close friends who we're very open with each other. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's scary or vulnerable because it's just normal to me to be able to open up and share how you're really feeling. And so I'm like that with my friends, with my family, with strangers I meet uh, to the point that it's become natural. And yeah, Big Talk's taken me to Singapore, to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and Australia, and then virtually to many different countries. that's amazing what has been one takeaway from traveling so much and like how has big talk kind of changed per country too it's a good question because in theory I'd say that um big talk has taught me that everyone's really the same that we're a lot more similar than we are different but in practice you know there's different things you have to deal with like translations um or understanding cultural dynamics. For example, in Singapore, it's more of a hierarchical society. So the types of big talk things I did were much more structured. Like I didn't really just approach strangers in Singapore and videotape them. It was more like you have to schedule things and structure them. But when it comes down to actually having the big talk conversations, everyone's really truly the same and we all have the same needs, wants, fears, desires in life. Um, With that is said, so you mentioned that you started big talk uh, while you were in university. And I was wondering how you sort of balanced that. It wasn't like a full-time job for you at this point, but it was still like a project you were pursuing. Good question. And while it wasn't a full-time job, it was definitely a full-time passion. And it did lead me to some more difficult times. So after I made that first big talk video, and that was over the summer, I came back to school and it was like, you know, the first couple of weeks of school that big talk went viral. And I got a lot of media attention from and a lot of friends who were really supportive of it. But I was also trying to take classes, be the president of a club, readjust to life uh, back in Chicago after being in California all summer with all the people who I was closest with. And it was really, really hard. 
um, because I would be in class and all I'd want to work on was big talk. Everything to me revolved around big talk. Like I couldn't detach myself from big talk and it wasn't very balanced. And it led to me being totally burnt out. It led to me like having meetings with professors and professors being like, are you okay? You look like you haven't slept. Um, and me being wow. like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And so I would say it's really important to take care of yourself. A professor at that time had told me, cause he saw like how big talk crazed I was at that moment. And he said, um, it's really important to remember that you must learn how to feed yourself before you feed the world. And so I was supposed to go on a study abroad trip actually to South Africa in the spring. And it was winter quarter. And this was when I was just like not in a good place because also the Chicago winters. And I actually, yeah. And this is a story I never tell. And it was something that I used to be really ashamed of, but I actually got pulled out of that program because the professors running the program saw that my head was not in it. They saw that I was focused on other things. They saw that I was working on big talk, that I was also the president of a club called Mix at Northwestern. And I was like not fully focused in that class and not passionate about it in the same way I was when I first applied. And at that point, it was too late to register for you know, any good classes. Um, and so I decided to take a leave of absence. And I went back home to California while all my friends went back to college for spring quarter or went to their study abroad programs. And it was really scary, but also exciting. And I just like threw myself out there, like in terms of go- showing up to events, um, talking to people about big talk. And it was a very weird time. It was very uncomfortable. And there were moments where I was like really proud um, and also really ashamed because I wasn't in school. I was like trying to make this like kind of crazy idea a reality. And so I would like oscillate between feeling like really proud of it and also really lost. Um, And I still got my degree. I took online classes and I did an internship in San Francisco, but it was like not the straight path. I would tell someone like who was, who'd be going through something similar to me, like, don't be ashamed and like, don't be afraid to open up about it. Don't necessarily do what I did, like find what works for you. Like maybe it's like taking a lighter course load or maybe it is like me taking a leave of absence but like everyone has their own path and you don't really figure hear about people's paths until like later on once they're successful. Cause like when people are in the thick of it, so you know, true. yeah, they don't want to like brag about it. Like I didn't like tell people this story. I barely told anyone this story about how I was like literally kicked out of the South Africa program. Like, yeah, I don't tell anyone about yeah, it. I didn't know this. <laughs> Cause yeah, there's like a lot of, you know, like stuff to like, you know, say to like the shiny stuff was easy to say at that time. Like I'm the face of Northwestern, but like also, you know, I was like ashamed because I got kicked out of a program and had to like go home and figure it out. Yeah, there's definitely like shiny stuff. There's also like less shiny stuff. And like, that's all part of the entrepreneurial journey. I think it's so important to talk about failures too. Like, like we learned a lot about um, like on resumes where people, um, like a couple professors put out on like their LinkedIn, like all of their failures into a PDF because like in the no. research world, oh, I love yeah, that. In the research world, nobody oh really shows all the times their publications get rejected. It's like all that's just fantastic. the shiny stuff. Um, yeah, no, that that resonates a lot. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. That's really cool. Unresonate. I want to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that would that is so good. Oh my god, I like what Waylon. I like what you said about like people talking about their failures, but. I would even like extend that to say people talk about their vulnerabilities. And I think that goes a lot into big talk as well. Like when you talk about big talk, like it's not, hi, how was your day? It's what's something that you, what's something that gives you hope? If you could create a country, Mm -hmm. what would it be like? There are these deep, deep questions. And it really does show your vulnerability. 
And I think you really just showed your vulnerability. So I was wondering how Big Talk allowed you to show vulnerability around the world. I mean, I don't think Big Talk's like the only platform to show vulnerability. It's just one tool. There's lots of people doing that, but I think it helps to normalize vulnerability and celebrate vulnerability. That you can share a story about something you struggled with, and it's actually something that's really cool and something that people can, you know, learn a lot from and celebrate. And that's how Big Talk questions are designed. They're all very like optimistic and forward thinking, um, but very honest. And they're designed so that anyone could answer any Big Talk question, no matter who they are, what they do, where they're from. Like, it's not about trying to like um, show yourself off or hide anything. It's just about being a human being. I'd say Big Talk has like allowed me to show my vulnerability in a, in a way that's celebrated because like when I gave the TEDx talk, I talked a bit about my struggles with loneliness and you know that talk is quote unquote very successful because it has a lot of views and it's led to like this whole business blossoming out of it. Um, but I was talking about like the darkest time in my life. And I think that really resonated with a lot of people. So a lot of times the darkest or hardest parts in your life are actually the ones that are going to be most celebrated later on. How does the process of generating these questions come about? Yeah, I mean, this was like five years ago that I started writing the questions and I would just kind of play test them. And there was one time where I was working with a research group and actually testing them out. But a lot of it happened very organically through other conversations with people or, or suggestions. And I would just test out questions that worked and didn't work. I never used yes or no questions. I don't use typical small talk questions. I use questions that anyone could answer. I use questions that are culturally sensitive. So it's really about just having um, intuition and awareness through doing it so much. Do you see big talk now being different if you were to start a college? Like, do you see the female entrepreneurship world developing the college world? Um, I think the female entrepreneurship world is thriving right now, or maybe I'm just more aware of it. But still a lot of, you know, articles that talk about all our struggles. I mean, the first step's awareness, right? And then the next step is actually yeah. taking actionable change. So with that said, I'm curious to hear how you kind of find the balance between more institutional things, like, because you were a Fulbright scholar, which is like quite an institutional thing. Right. Uh, obviously you went to university, um, but then also doing big talk full time. Mm -hmm. And that's a freelance thing. When I first, you know, like came back from college, I was just like completely floating on my own. It was really hard because um, I didn't feel like I had the support. Um, and I wouldn't really wish that on anyone. I mean, there are times where I do think that time was necessary because I really had to figure out my own journey, but there were times where I just felt like I was floating in space. Um, whereas when I was on Fulbright, I felt that was the first time I really felt truly validated and celebrated and supported because I had like this whole institution like funding me to research Big Talk. That was awesome. But now I kind of go in and out because sometimes there's some days where I'm just like winging it and figuring it out on my own. And other times where, you know, I'm giving a presentation to a corporate entity and it feels very institutionalized. Um, but that's kind of the fun of it too. Yeah, for sure. And kind of leading on to that, I think oftentimes the media portrays entrepreneurship in like a one-dimensional light where it has to be like you're in Silicon Valley, you're starting a tech company, you're like the next Steve Jobs, but I definitely don't think it has to be that way. So if you were to pick a sentence to define entrepreneurship, what would that sentence be? I think entrepreneurship is following a dream and then sticking with it through thick and thin. Mm. It's another thing to start it. It's another thing to like follow it a bit, but like really sticking through it and making it a reality, that's entrepreneurship. I really, really like that. It's not just about being a dreamer. It's not just about being a full realist. It's about having that balance and in being between, able to play yeah. both hats. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, yeah. I really like, especially what you said about the institutions who do want to support you. So I'm curious, why do you think that being an entrepreneur or starting some sort of project or venture in college is one of the best times? College is like a testing ground. You know, you don't have any boss telling you what to do. <laughs> Like, yeah, do your classes, but like when you have an entrepreneurial idea in college, you can just test it out with your, all the people around you who are so bright and also in the same position. You have access to so many people um, from so many diverse backgrounds and there's no, there's not really such thing as failure because college is all about learning. How best do you think you can like find that network of people to support you at college? Because I know a lot of kids or students have these great ideas, but then there's so many resources. They don't even know where to start. Honestly, cast a wide, wide net. That's what I did. (laughs) I just showed up to every event that even sounded remotely interesting to me. I just walked into professors' offices. I just started talking about what I was doing to friends and just seeing if anyone was interested. Like, I don't know, be shameless. I mean, don't be annoying, you know, like don't be in people's faces, but just like be really open-minded. College is the best time to be open-minded because like you don't have to like put your head down at the desk job. You can like, look at everything people want you to look at everything and explore everything like as long as you're open and willing to reach out to people like there's so much magic that can happen I could not agree more um what's something recently they've done that's outside your comfort zone it's been harder I I used to put myself in uncomfortable positions all the time because we could be in person and I would literally just like show up at events alone um well now actually I've been very uncomfortable with um thinking of big talk as a business because before it was just like kind of a passion project that just like was successfully organically grown but now my partner is in business school and she's um really interested in scaling big talk um to corporations and this is so out of my comfort zone because I don't really have any experience in the corporate world and I feel like kind of like the kooky girl from California who's just like a creative (laughs) you know um so putting on that business school hat has been uncomfortable for me you know trying to balance treating big talk still like both the passion project, but also treating it like a startup or a business that can really scale. Then also I started surfing um, a lot over the past year. And for some reason, I always end up surfing with groups of guys who can surf way bigger waves than me. And I'll like paddle out there and be too scared to go for them. So I'm always uncomfortable every time I surf. And that's like a great kind of daily practice. I love that. I um, like throughout high school, I actually started something small, um, but I was really focused on gratitude around like schools in Southeast Asia, like starting conversations about gratitude. And I remember there was one summer where an NGO wanted me to scale it up too. They wanted me to like introduce the idea of like 10 minute gratitude activities around businesses. And like, I was so scared and it made me so uncomfortable to think that like something small, something like a passion project could expand beyond just like my small bubble but I think it's just so exciting and I think what you said about like how uncomfortability is something that we should push ourselves to do is so 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 important yeah it's definitely how you learn and if you think of it all just like a like a game or learning experience then there's really no such thing as failure that's so true there are these YouTubers that I follow called um, Yes Theory and their whole motto is seek discomfort if you're not scared of failure you're not scared of being embarrassed you can do anything mm-hmm. and like once you really let that resonate with you it's like whoa I I've got the power I've got the abilities we're gonna start wrapping it up with some ending questions um, sure so we're gonna start off with what is one thing you loved about yourself today <laughs> I know this is supposed to be rapid fire but this is hard <laughs> um low rapid fire 
Oh, that yeah. I um, supported all my friends who are artists. Um, like one of my friends makes homemade pasta. So I bought her pasta today. What type of pasta? She makes all kinds. <laughs> She's very creative Whoa. and culinary. Her website's called Moonbeam Kitchen. <laughs> then what is one thing that you are grateful for today? Opportunity. I feel like there's opportunity everywhere as long as you're open to it. Um, so opportunity and friends always. Can you share with us a big talk question that you've been enjoying lately or one that's been um, on your mind and then we can kind of have a short big talk discussion here sure I mean, I'll just do a fun one that I think Ali you already know about but yeah what is your next great adventure <laughs> <Where I lived>. <laughs> <laughs> this summer I'm gonna live with some of my friends off campus and <gasps> it'll be my first time kind of budgeting and learning how to adult and like cook it's actually yeah that's gonna be a great adventure for you <laughs> that is good um, yeah, I guess I can, t I'll do a summer one as well. I'm in Shanghai now and the rules and regulations, for the summer are changing every day, but mm -hmm. it looks like now with getting the vaccine tomorrow and things are opening up. So I think I'm going to be able to go back to Hong Kong and then actually go to Canada in the summer. So that'll be exciting an adventure for me. So I'm very happy about go that. Go back home. What about you, Queen? What's your next big adventure? Big talk um, in beyond. Oh. I am taking guitar lessons now with <gasps> a high school friend. He also does guitar for like all these famous YouTube stars and he's someone oh I've gosh. always admired. And um, I decided to just ask him if he was open to giving guitar lessons and he said, yeah, so I've been doing that. I think that the high school reconnection is so important to so many people's COVID stories. I was wondering if you were to give one piece of advice to our listeners that they take away from this podcast, what would that be? don't talk about your story just when the ending's happy. Like talk about it as you're going through it. Yeah. So where can our audience find you? How can we like incorporate Big Talk into our college campuses? Give us all of the details. Sure. Um, so my website for Big Talk is just makebigtalk.com and social media also, you know, Instagram at makebigtalk. And then as for myself, Kalina Silverman, K-A-L-I-N-A Silverman. Um, that's like all my social media platforms, LinkedIn and everything. Um, if you want to bring Big Talk to your campus, there's many ways to do that. There's Big Talk programs and events um, that you can always reach out to me for. Or there's the card game, which is an easy thing to play as a bonding activity, um, which you can find on the Big Talk website. Um, yeah, there's just a million ways to make Big Talk. So don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. Makebigtalk.com and Kalina Silverman. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. To check out more of our podcasts, you can find us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.